Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Good Saturday morning. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still. We're with you till noon. We've got a lot to get to. It's a special anniversary for a couple of Alouette teams. Uh, the 1970 team that won the Grey Cup over the Calgary Stampeders uh, in Toronto. That's 50 years ago today that that happened. So Pierre Desjardins, who was on that team, is jersey number 63. is retired by the Alouettes. He'll join us at 1035. And it's also the 10th anniversary of the last Grey Cup title won by the Alouettes. The Grey Cup MVP in 2010, Jamel Richardson, uh, will join us just after 10.45. The Impact made some waves yesterday. They picked up a bunch of options. They declined some options, most notably Boyan and Anthony Jackson. Vasily Kremenzidis, the Impact's assistant sporting director, uh, will join us uh, just after 11.05. Uh, we will talk a little hockey as well. We'll have the disaster of the week for you. And we'll try to get to uh, a little uh, a little more uh, footy talk. There's a lot of uh, matches going on, obviously, being Saturday morning. So John still will keep you up to date on the score lines in those games as well. Uh, but I do want to start with boxing. It's fight night. Matthew Kazavar, our boxing insider, will join us after 11.35. But Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. will go toe-to-toe in a boxing exhibition. It's the first time these two legends will step into the ring together. Tyson hasn't fought in 15 years. Roy Jones hasn't been in the ring since 2018. What can we expect tonight? Is this going to be entertaining or is this going to be a circus? These two are obviously in great shape. If you haven't seen the weigh-in, they look great. Tyson, I think, is a little more than 10 pounds heavier than Roy Jones right now. But both guys are cut. They're both over 50 and in better shape than I am. But are they in boxing shape? I wouldn't say I'm fascinated by this fight, but I'm definitely going to be watching... If this goes well, Tyson says he wants to keep doing this, so he's put some effort into getting ready for this thing. This fight could be a total dud, or they could surprise us and actually put on a show. I have no idea if it can fall anywhere in between those two extremes. But I'm going to be paying attention tonight. And I saw where Roy Jones is guaranteed a million dollars, so that's a nice little payday. Mike Tyson, I believe, is going to earn $10 million, but he says he's donating it all to charity, but that's a lot of cheddar. $10 million for uh, for an eight-round, two-minute-per-round exhibition. I don't know. That's, uh, it, seems like, uh, it seems like a 
decent payday. Uh, so they have altered the rules uh, for this fight because the guys didn't want to wear the headgear that's required for an exhibition. Uh, so we'll tell you exactly what's changed and what you can expect if you're tuning in tonight or if you're just going to follow on Twitter. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I am going to watch. I think I'm going to fork out the forty nine ninety nine. And I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to see if this goes well. Who knows? Maybe Tyson can rope me into spending some more money <laughs> down the road. Uh, if it doesn't go well, I will be one and done. And that's where our Saturday sports poll question of the day, well, that's where it leads me to the question, which is, how interested are you in the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight night, fight tonight. And you've got three options. You can vote at TSN690 and at Joey Alfieri on Twitter. Uh, you can weigh in saying I'm paying to watch it you can say I'm just going to follow it on social media I'm not going to watch or I don't care John Still my boy what's going on Johnny how's your Saturday going I'm well sir how are you I'm doing fantastic Uh, if I asked you to vote on this poll question how would you vote I would vote uh, whatever option E is which is somewhere (laughs) between it's somewhere between Mike Tyson fighting a shark and uh, Mike Tyson's cameo in The Hangover. I don't know which one would be more interesting for me. Uh, I'm, I've uh, even Zero the Con- even the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight. You didn't care for that. Number one, I'm just not a fan of Floyd Mayweather. Like at least I'm a somewhat fan of Mike Tyson. Right. But I mean, I'll follow it online. I just don't know if I I don't know if I know enough about boxing to be like truly captivated by. Two but, older gentlemen beating the turd out of But isn't another. that what they're trying to do here? I think they realize it's a pandemic, so right. most people are going to be yeah, home yeah. on Saturday night. And I feel like with these two names, you don't really have to know much about boxing to get into this. Like, I'm no boxing historian. I enjoy boxing. Yeah. I prefer boxing to MMA, to be totally transparent with you. But, like, to me, like, this is the, the, the barometer for me is, you know, my wife... Uh, she pays attention to sports, but yeah. I don't know. Like she'll be able to, na- you know, name maybe a boxer or two. And Mike Tyson would probably be one of those boxers. That's how mainstream it is. Like same thing with my mom. Like th- like people who don't who aren't passionate about sports, right. they know. Mike if Tyson they is. know what what's up, then that's how I know it's a big deal. But do they know who Roy Jones Jr. is? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, mean. I don't think so. But Tyson. I mean, Tyson. I feel like if you had Tyson, ring, I feel like if you had Tyson Holyfield. I feel like it would gen like no offense to Roy Jones Jr. It's just that for the same barometer that you're kind of you're giving it for for Mike Tyson. Yeah, I feel like the person he's fighting has to be a little bit of a bigger name. No offense to Roy Jones Jr. It's just that not enough people like if he if it was Mike Tyson Lennox Lewis. I yeah, think I don't more know. People would pay I attention. Don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you'd get the casual. Like I don't know if there's anybody Mike Tyson can fight. That can be a bigger draw to non-boxing fans than Roy, like Roy Jones Jr. To be right. honest, I don't know if Holyfield does it. Maybe, maybe Holyfield does it just because of the the whole ear thing. But I don't know. Like it, it's it's like, just I'm fascinated di- to see like how many people are going to be paying attention to yeah. this tonight. There's well, that, nothing else to do. That's what I mean. I think a lot of people are going to pay attention casually, like me. That that's right. that, like I'll I'll pay attention to to check out the highlights. Uh, or the lowlights, whichever way it, whichever way it goes, right. I'll, I'll check those out. But I, I don't know if I'm interested enough to see Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson take w- each other on. What about the discrepancy in pay there? I mean, if I was Roy Jones Jr., I'd be. Uh, yeah, well, the thing is, is like Tyson is putting this whole thing on, right? 
like even how to buy the pay-per-view it's uh, i forget what the name is it's uh what is it triller tyson or something like that so i think tyson's even like oh, he's, he's involved like producing in all that. this whole thing i don't know if he's producing it but you know he's he's side by side with uh with the with the production whoever's you know again like you said whoever's producing it but I don't know. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of intrigued. I'm not sure if it's because I'm bored, but I think that I'd be, in, <laughs> I think I'd be intrigued by this no matter what. And look, okay. So I know there's a lot of people that maybe they're interested. They're gonna tune in tonight, and they they don't really know uh, what the rule because this is not gonna, it's not gonna be your standard boxing rules. It's an exhibition, right? right? Yes. So in an exhibition, you're supposed to wear the headgear. You know that headgear that they wear in the international events, like the Olympics and stuff like that. So the guys, neither one wanted to wear the head, the headgear. So they've changed it up, and uh, instead of 12 rounds of three minutes each, because of the no headgear, they're going to go uh, with eight rounds at two minutes each. Which uh, is sensible. Which I said. I'm which very, is sensible. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty impressed by the actual sensibility being put on. I'm, I'm being converted based purely on the fact that they're going to make it shorter so these guys don't alter years off their lives. Right. Well, I mean, they maybe have already done that, but I yeah. know, but further contributing, right. let's just say that. So uh, the big, there's bigger gloves. Okay. Right. So they're going to go with the 12 ounce gloves. Uh, so just, I guess it packs, you know, sl- I mean, you're getting punched in the face by Mike, by Tyson, Mike Tyson or Roy Jones Jr. You're still going to feel it. Uh, but I guess at that level, the 12 ounce gloves make a difference. Uh, no knockouts. I don't even, I don't even know how that makes sense. Like, I don't even know how you can say that there's no knockouts allowed. No like, what knockouts. if you just, what if you just, one of them catches the right. other one and he, he drops him? I don't know. I, I'm not anticipating that. Uh, the fight stop. This is the one, this is the one I saw the rule change and I said, this is going to definitely happen early on in the fight tonight. Here we go. If there is a cut, the fight is stopped. Okay. I, I kind of understand that. They want to preserve the actual integrity of going the entire eight rounds? No. I get but it. Yeah, but they're not going to go eight rounds. Like, if, if somebody gets cut in the second oh, round, this thing's paused. done. No, oh, no, it's, it's not... stopped. Oh, it's done. The fight is stopped. No. Yeah. Okay, that's... The fight is stopped. Wow. If there's... Uh, if anybody's cut... Uh, there's what? no... Uh, this one... This one... I mean, look. There's no official judge or winner... So the result tonight is going to be, it's purely unofficial. It's an exhibition anyway. Uh, so it's not going to either fighter's record. And the WBC does have ex-fighters judging. So there's not official judges, but there will be ex-fighters there judging the result. So you'll get the result, just the result is going to be unofficial. So there's no official winner, no official loser. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where we stand. Do, with, we see uh, a, do we see a WWE-style ring crash by the... Uh... <laughs> By the judges alongside because they were previous fighters. I'd love to see if that. If I'm forking out forty nine ninety nine, I really hope that that does not happen. I, I actually it just doesn't happen. I just hope it doesn't happen. I just I want to watch this thing. Like I want to see. Look, they're fifty four. Tyson's fifty four, and Roy Jones is fifty one. Okay, Roy Jones has fought in the last two years. Mike Tyson hasn't fought in fifteen years, if you exclude the shark thing. <laughs> All right, him fighting the shark was that uh, earlier this year? Was that this I mean, year? It was either this year or last year? Yeah, I don't even know how they did that. So Tyson and and I mean it was just I mean Tyson even said he came out and and admitted that he was only fighting because he was broke. So he was getting in the ring and he, he's come out throughout this whole you know the promotion of this fight and said like that's that guy's done. The guy who fought 15 years ago, that wasn't me. That was like a shadow of myself. So I'm gonna come in and I've worked hard and he has like you saw. Tyson at his peak. Oh, Mike Tyson at peak weight, he was huge. He's terrifying right now. He's in tremendous shape right yes. now. But at his biggest, 
he was he was very obese. He was very heavy. And so the fact that in his mid-50s, he's turned it around and he's gotten himself into such great shape is remarkable. Like that that's to be commended. So oh, I don't sure. know that Roy Jones ever I don't know if he ever ballooned. I mean he's I'm, I'm sure he's hasn't that Maybe the last two years since he last fought, maybe he hasn't been in as great a shape as he is now. But I, I give Tyson a lot of credit because shedding weight is not easy, and getting into the shape. I saw the weigh-in yesterday, and I just—it was funny. Did they you had like the the, uh, plexiglass? the plexiglass that there's that, that separating amazing. you and I in the studio. Yeah. So they're just looking at each other. So funny. I was I was just hoping that you know Mike was going to start pushing on the glass or smacking go the glass or whatever. Wall? Just go, yeah, just go nuts. <laughs> That didn't end up happening, but I'm intrigued. I'm a little intrigued, and uh, we we play this game every week, John. I want you to guess the results on the poll question. Uh, so again, the Saturday sports question of the day: How interested are you in the Mike Tyson Roy Jones Jr. fight tonight? You can weigh in at Joey Alfieri at TSN 690. Your options are: A, I'm paying to watch it; B, I follow it on social media; or C, I do not care. Which one of these do you think is leading the way? I think uh, I follow it on social media is leading the way. I follow it on social media currently in second place at 29 percent yep so what do you think is leading are there's people huge, gonna buy this there's a huge discrepancy are people gonna the buy two. this they are not I didn't i'm paying to watch it is at nine percent and i don't care is at 62 <laughs> percent. so since none of you care uh, i think it's time that we probably move on and uh, it is saturday sports on tsn you know 690. who's to blame for this joey alfier and john still you know who, who's, to yeah, who's to blame for this is our lovely friends at the réseau de spa deciding to throw up uh, two cole caulfield games <laughs> oh that too yeah that too that <laughs> you too. were like eh, I, don't I saw know. that. I and saw then the Bruno. Cole Caulfield games came on. They're like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike and Roy. Yeah, it's Dunzo. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't really <laughs> think that they care. Those two care about uh, Wisconsin hockey too much. Uh, but uh, but I saw. I noticed that uh, our good buddy Bruno Gervais, who works over at RDS, I think he's working those games. Oh, really? Yeah, the Cole Caulfield games. So uh, yes, definitely will be paying attention uh, to Cole Caulfield and Wisconsin and RDS. This weekend, but since 62% of you don't care about this boxing tonight, uh, we will move on. But a reminder that if you don't care too bad, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about the fight with Matthew Castle. I'm fascinated to find out how Matt feels about this as someone who truly follows boxing yeah. week in and week out. I want to know how much the nostalgia of being a boxing fan is coming back, and how much of right. this is like the gimmick that I believe we all think that it is and i think you know what's funny about this poll john i was just thinking about it now and i think 62 percent of the people who are saying that they don't care they don't care enough to pay but i think when it comes to the lead-up of the fight like simon salikas was in on melnick in the afternoon this week and he gallo and i spoke about this fight at different times and the text message board would light up like it was lighting up it's just i don't know like i think people are are all in in the build-up to the fight but then when it comes to the actual fight, it's like, do I want to spend $50 to watch this fight? I'm not sure. Maybe I'll just catch the highlights in the morning. So when I think, when I say, when people say they don't care, I think what they're saying is, I don't care enough to pay $50. Mm-hmm. But whenever we talk about it, like we're flooded with tweets, flooded with texts, like all week. Well, we already have some texts in here now. Someone uh, texting in at... Uh 10.15 this morning, absolutely watching Tyson's Jones Jr. It could be a great fight. Uh, someone texting in yesterday, like you said, Roy Jones in three rounds, Tyson can't 
handle There him. you go. See what I mean? So people are interested. Let us know. Text us at 11-690. Joey Alfieri and John still. Uh, are you fight? Are you interested in this fight tonight? Do you care? Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to be watching. Still says no. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to pay the fifty bucks. That's fine. I'm, I can get. I can support my boy John. Still there, uh, John. I told the guys uh, Salikis and uh, Gallo yesterday. I said, guys, if you want to FaceTime me, I will film my TV during the fight <laughs> so you guys can watch it for free. I don't know if that's legal or not, uh, but uh, here I am saying that on the radio. The Montreal Impact picked up a bunch of player options and they also declined some. Should Boyan and Jackson be back next year? We'll break that down for you. This is Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. Montreal Canadiens Hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. We need to check uh, the, the, the relative quality, price, age. Uh, and we know that he's a quality player, but uh, you know also the option was very high for us. And... Uh, and on that point, there was a decision of the club on not on not, uh, on not to take this option for for many reasons. But uh, the the situation, if we want to speak with him and to make another offer, that 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 means that we have uh, interest to keep Boyan back. That is Impact Sporting Director Olivier Renard, who had a Zoom call with members of the media yesterday, talking about declining Boyan's option. And if you listen to the show, you know uh, that uh, Boyan's option was to become a designated player. So he was not a designated player uh, the last two years he's been with the Impact, or the last year and a half anyway. Uh, to pick up that option, uh, that was going to be a significant raise, and it was going to be a lot more money. So clearly, uh, you hear Olivier Renard there saying that they want to bring him back. They're interested in bringing him back. In French, I believe he mentioned that they, they've made him an offer, uh, but it's not going to be uh, as a designated player. So they're interested in keeping Boyan. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till noon. Uh, and a reminder that the Impact's assistant sporting director, Olivier Renard's right-hand man, Vasily Kremenzidis, will join us at 11.05 to answer all our very difficult roster questions. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, but officially yesterday, uh, right around, uh, when did this come out? Around uh, right before 3 o'clock, I want to say, the Impact announced that they've exercised the options for uh, guys like Clément Diop, James Pantemis, uh, Clément Bahia, Amar Sadich, and Romel Kyoto and Mason Toy. Those were no-brainers. Uh, declining options, though, on Boyan, Stephen Saba, we hardly knew ye, Shamit Shom, and Anthony Jackson. So we know that Jackson was one of those guys who was not protected in the expansion draft last year. He got a couple of opportunities to start uh, in over the final few games of the season. He hadn't started since March, and he just he didn't really give you much. So I know that there is a uh, a part of the loyal impact fan base, maybe even a francophone part or people who, you know, we all root for the local guys or the guys from this province to do well. And I know there's going to be some people that are frustrated. They feel like Jackson, you know, proved a lot in this league coming off the bench. And it's just that since Mauro Biello has been gone, nobody's able to really, nobody's been able to get anything out of Jackson production wise with any regularity. So I got to be honest with you. I'm not really surprised that they're going to move on from Jackson, but to me, John, Jackson's case and and Balu Tabla is a lot younger, but he's approaching that this this status. I think there are some local guys who need a kick in the pants, and by kick in the pants, I mean they need to go to Toronto or Vancouver and leave the city and go sign elsewhere in MLS. 
I think I think uh, Jackson's in that camp. He needs to go to Vancouver, for, you know, or even CPL, and just leave the province, get the career back on track. I thought uh, no, again, no offense, to Anthony Jackson Amell. I thought he truly, based on any kind of production, there could have been a reason why they wouldn't have even brought him back last year. Um, I'm a I'm a little bit more surprised by um, not necessarily Shemit Show. But Steven Saba, just because they never really knew what they had in him. So they've brought him in. He gets injured in preseason in a freak accident jogging around Montreal. He's out for the remainder of the year, and you decline an option. But it'll be interesting because maybe they can bring him back on something like a prove-it deal because no one else knows where he's at right now. Um, It obviously comes down to Boyan, whether they can work out a non-DP deal with him. I think he was around 1.6 million. I think they this could. Year. I I really do. But but here's the key, John. Is he willing to take the same money or less to maybe live out of a hotel in the states next year again and not be able to see his family over in Europe? Like is he willing to do that for less than the 1.5, 1.6 million? That's a big question. Another big question would be is there any opportunity somewhere within Europe? Where that you can, can get actually anywhere go near to. that type of money? I don't. I really don't know. I don't know if he's good enough for anything that wouldn't be like Ligue 1, maybe. Right. Uh, I think that might be an avenue that he could look at, but that's why I think that the Impact feel that they're in a, comp, uh, a confident position right now, because unless he wants to go and play for more money in Saudi Arabia or something like that, yeah. there's not really anywhere that's going to match the money that he can get here in MLS. So I think the impact right now, it makes sense to play hardball with Boyan and find out exactly where they can meet in the middle somewhere. But I think he has very limited options for where he's at in his career right now. Given given the money that he's, he's going to he make here that's or right. demand. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That's uh, that's a good point. But we'll ask Vasily uh, Kremenzidis of the Montreal Impact just after 11.05. What, what are the odds Boyan comes back? Uh, it's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri and John Still, we're with you till noon. Today is the 50th anniversary of the Montreal Alouettes' Grey Cup victory in 1970. We'll take a trip down memory lane with former Alouettes offensive lineman Pierre Desjardins, who played in that game against the Calgary Stampeders. Join the social sports conversation. Follow TSN 690 on Facebook. Click on Facebook.com slash TSN 690 Montreal. had driven both of us to the game. Yeah. After, after we arrived back at the airport uh, in Montreal... There was such a crowd there and such a log jam. There was no way we could get our get his car out. So we, as Pete's saying, we walked out to the highway and had to catch a ride into the city. And it, <laughs> I think Peter uh, came back the next day to get his car. <laughs> yeah, these these guys picked us up and I don't know if they recognized or what, and they just took us straight to our apartment building. They said, and let us out, and then we went back and got our cars when everything was all calmed down and everything. That was Sunny Wade. And Peter Dallariva on Melnick in the afternoon talking about the 1970 Grey Cup win. And I had never heard that story before, that Dallariva drove to the airport and had to hitchhike back home because the airport was too crazy. Uh, that was a great story, great memories. I can't believe uh, that, uh, you know, it's been 50 years. I wasn't around uh, for that Grey Cup game uh, in uh, 1970, but I have watched it on YouTube. It's fantastic footage. The field is brutal. It's black and white footage. Uh, I loved every second of that game, and of course, it's even more special uh, because the Montreal Alouettes won. Uh, but joining us now to talk about that game, this is the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of that game. It happened today in 1970. 
One of the men who played in that game is jersey number 63. is retired by the Montreal Alouettes. He's Pierre Desjardins. Pierre, thanks for joining us. How are you? Uh, nice to be there. So great. does it does it feel like 50 years? Uh, it was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. <laughs> and that, that story, uh, like I mentioned, Sonny Wade and uh, Peter Dallariva joined us this week. And that story... I'm just I'm trying to picture that today, like just people hanging from everywhere, just greeting you guys uh, at Trudeau Airport. And did you have a similar experience? Like, did you have a hard time getting home when you guys landed? Yeah, I sure did because uh, it was absolute chaos. Uh, it was unplanned for sure, and uh, it was it was very chaotic, but very nice. I mean, it's uh, you know you don't mind going through a little bit of hardship when uh, you know such a demonstration takes place that's so positive you know yeah no absolutely and um it's just it, it's nice to hear like i saw you and peter did something for the alouettes website and i watched that and as somebody who was born in the late 80s uh, i certainly have an appreciation for everything you guys went through i love hearing the old war stories and uh, you guys are, are really great storytellers so I, I thought i'd take the opportunity to to have you on and interact with you for the first time and what what do you remember outside of the great cup what do you remember about that season because you guys started off hot but then you you faded down the stretch you guys i think lost four or five uh, you had a tie the last game of the year you finished third in the east but then you guys were able to turn it on in the playoffs, and you end up winning the Grey Cup. What happened? How were you guys able to flick the switch? Well, I I, I think it was, you know it was a, a very different season. I mean, uh, you have to go back a little bit. Uh, Nineteen sixty nine was uh, atrocious. I think we had we had won about two games and maybe tied a couple, but uh, it was it was a terrible season. And uh, I, I was kind of busy in my on my on the business side in my career, so I, I had decided, not announced, but to leave football uh, to go on to business uh, at the end of 1969. Mm-hmm. And I, I was uh, very uh, surprised one day to get a phone call from Sam Etcheberry uh, for lunch at the uh, Queen Elizabeth. And I knew Sam very well, so I wasn't surprised because we'd meet now and on again. And I, I show up at the Queen Elizabeth. Larry Farrell is there, which was a surprise. Yeah. And we sit down with Sam, and he announces to us that uh, he had just been named head coach, and he wanted both of us to be co-captains for the 1970 team, and asked me to come back, uh, which I, you know, I hesitated a little bit, but I knew Sam. Had a lot of respect for Sam as a person and as a football player, so I we we both agreed to to do that. So now you go back to you you go forward to 1970. Uh, we show up in a locker room, and uh, we've got about uh, two thirds of the team, about 25, 24 players that are brand new. Yeah. So it's a completely different atmosphere, and uh, new coaching staff. Uh, uh, and, and Sam was a uh, a people's person, uh, a very uh, not very talkative, but uh, a great motivator, and uh, very intense. Uh, so we started the season a little wobbly, and uh, you know, and, and 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 it made sense because we're all new at different positions, and 
And uh, it started to gel a little bit gradually. And, and I think that uh, at the end of the season, we, we kind of, the players, we felt we were probably a little bit undercoached, but could be highly motivated by Sam. And, and uh, the playoff picture kind of turned that on. Uh, as Sam didn't have to say a whole lot, but uh, his intensity carried through to all the players. And uh, we we got into the playoffs that we beat Toronto and in Toronto, and then we had a two game series with Hamilton, won both games, and then went on to win the Grey Cup. So, and I, I would say a lot of that had to do a with the raw talent that uh, Jay Albrecht brought in, mm-hmm. all this new talent that went on in the seventies to 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 do ex- exceptionally well, guys like Steve Smear, Mike Wedger, and and so on, and. And uh, I, I think the playoffs was kind of uh, an opportunity for that motivation really to go to work. And, and uh, it happened. And we all gelled and stuck together, and, and, uh, and it worked. You know? Yeah, he's Alouette's legend Pierre Desjardins joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri with you till noon. Uh, it is the 50th anniversary of the 1970 Grey Cup winning Montreal Alouette's team. Um, okay. There, I was. I went back and I watched the game. I've watched it a couple of times, and one of the things that was mentioned on the broadcast, I want to give the offensive line a little credit too. Uh, everyone remembers Moses Denson. He threw the touchdown pass uh, that got you guys on the board in that game. But I heard on that broadcast that Moses Denson uh, on the season was rushing for like seven yards a clip. So I know he was great, but you guys were opening up the holes up front too. Yes, we, we, had, we had, you know... Back then, we had a pretty good line, and we had like newcomers with Ed George, who went on to be uh, extremely successful. Yeah, and we had uh, some of the old guys like Gene Sepitelli, uh, you know, who had played in the league about thirteen, fourteen years, and was still in, in top shape and uh, very, very active, and very influential in terms of the new guys. So, you know, and Barry Randall came on its own mm-hmm. at the other tackle position on the right side. And I was coupled with Ed George, who was young and, uh, you know, very volatile. And uh, and Sam had made me his sort of mentor and, and uh, kind of controller because he was very volatile <laughs> and emotional. And it was fun. I mean, I, yeah. Ed and I really got along exceptionally well. And it was fun. Then you had Peter, who had just come into his own. It is, I believe, his third season then, mm-hmm. Riva. So you know, it, it, it we had uh, we had a pretty good uh, pretty good team, and we did uh, we did stress uh, a lot of the running game during the season, and we had misfires, but it came together in the playoffs. Yeah, it it definitely definitely did. Uh Pierre, uh can you what can you tell us about the field that day? You told a great story uh, on the Alouette's website about stepping onto the field after the game uh when the game was over and it just it looked like tell well why don't you tell us what it looked like? What was the field like in Toronto that game for the 1970 Grey Cup? Well, there was a bit of a lull after, you know, after the game. We got in the, we got into the dressing room and of course it was, uh, you know, big celebration and and all of this was unplanned. I mean, uh, you know, it, it 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 really was unplanned. So, it was very spontaneous. 
And I I, uh, I got all I got dressed up after my shower, and I, I went on to the field, and there was no one there, and it was dark. And I, I happened to, uh, you know, walk right right over to center field and, and uh, kind of looked. And they had resodded the entire stadium for the game. So the, the sod was very loose yeah. during the game. It was a terrible footing <laughs> to, play, to play the game. Yeah, no, it and was. And again, you had all these sod pieces, you know, all raised up. I mean, the sand <laughs> looked, the, the field looked soaky. It was like, like a war field. Yeah. You know? It just... Uh, so my reflection was, you know, I said you always wanted to go to war, you know, and I was very <laughs> embarrassed as well. There it is, and you won it. <laughs> you did. It was. It was and just it was all by myself. It was. It's was, it was funny experience. Yeah, it was just funny. Like every time that one of you guys, you know, hit the floor, like you guys were knocked down or whatever, you'd come up and like you couldn't even see the numbers on the jersey anywhere. There was so much mud on them. It was just such. It was such a. A funny viewing experience, and there's no way that the guys would play on that kind of field now. No way. Well, and, and this is why a guy like Don Lisbon, who was very solid, not exceptionally fast, very quick, very shifty, yep. uh, was extremely important in that game because his footing was so solid. Uh, it, made a, it made a big difference. Yeah, it sure did, and it, it's been fun to reminisce, uh, Pierre. Thanks for joining us on the show, and I'm hoping uh, that uh, we can get you on to tell some more stories here in the near future. I hope that you'd be interested in doing that. Very good. Thank you very much. That's Alouette's Have legend. You too. Pierre Desjardins joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. 50 years ago today, the 1970 Montreal Alouettes won the Grey Cup. All right, it's back-to-back anniversary time for the Alouettes because it is also the 10-year anniversary of their last Grey Cup win in 2010. Who was the MVP of that game? It was Jamel Richardson. Jamel Richardson is coming up next on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. It gets amped up here. Second and seven. Richardson's working one-on-one, and he just wins the battle at the top end of the road. He is wide open in behind, but that ball underthrown, he has to come back. He wins the jump right at the goal line over the top of Omar Morgan. Jamel Richardson has been money in the biggest games. You take a look at the last three Grey Cup games he's played in. He's had 100 yards plus. 2008 123 2009 last year 113 in a touchdown he's at 107 and counting Jamel Richardson big time money receiver when it matters most uh when the lights come out Jay Rich, when the lights come on Jay Rich comes to play those are highlights from the 2010 Grey Cup game which the Montreal Alouettes won and today is the 10 year anniversary of that game that's the last time the Owls won the Grey Cup it happened 10 years ago Today in Edmonton, the MVP of that game joins us now, Jamel Richardson. Jay Rich, what's going on, man? How you doing? 
Not much, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I can't believe it's been 10 years. 10? It's <laughs> time. Where has it gone? Like, it's been... It seems like it was just yesterday. All right, man. So Glenn Suter mentioned it, and, you know, when I think back to your career, uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And you said it often during your career, but when the lights come on, you come to play. You had 123 yards in the 2008 Grey Cup. That's a game that you guys lost to Calgary here in Montreal. The next year, in 2009, you had 113 and you had a touchdown in that game. You should have had a two-point conversion, but there was definitely pass interference that went uncalled on that big play. You would have had more, but that you guys won anyway, so we don't even have to worry about that. And then in 2010, ironically enough, that's the fewest yards you had in a Grey Cup game, which was 109, by the way, but you're a Grey Cup MVP, and rightfully so. We heard the huge play with the Owls up 14-11 in the fourth quarter. You came down with that ball over Omar Morgan, man. Just what was it about the Grey Cup games that brought out your best you know just competing at a high level playing at the highest you know for the most chips you know everything is on the line you know it's a big game your your teammates are depending on you and you worked hard all year to get to that point mm. so just to get there and you know just try to give it your all you know that's one thing I've, I've always done um and then you know just my mindset you know uh just feeling like I was the best player on the field, mm. you know, and, even though I played with one of the best players ever. So, How, how good was Pete Calvillo? Like, not only how good was he, but how prepared was he, Jamel? And this is Anthony? Yeah. Oh, man, uh, the guy, I, I learned so much from him, you know, how to be a professional. Uh, you coming in early, leaving late, you know, doing the small things, you know, paying, paying attention to details. Um, the guy is just... Oh man, uh, he he deserved everything he got. He went out there and earned it, and then he worked extremely hard on it. You know, off the field, taking care of his body, uh, film study. You know, getting the guys together. So for me, going to Montreal was just a blessing. Yeah. You know, it just helped me in my career. Yeah, he's Jamel Richardson, the MVP of the 2010 Grey Cup, which was played on this day ten years ago. Joining us on Saturday Sports uh, on TSN 690, and I've just I've been looking back. I rewatched uh, both 2009 and 2010, Jamel, and I'm looking at the group of receivers that you guys had. I mean, SJ couldn't even get on the field in 09. He wouldn't have played in the Grey Cup game had. Uh, Andrew Hawkins not broken his ankle, but you guys had Andrew Hawkins who went on to play in the NFL. There was you, there was SJ, there was Ben Cahoon. Kerry Watkins was outstanding, maybe one of the most underrated players in franchise history. Brian Bratton was there. He came up with some big plays as well. You guys were loaded at that position. Man, loaded. And and the, the great thing about it were we were all brothers. You know, nobody, you know, hated on each other. It was always friendly competition. And what's fueled us and what's drove us, you know, because we wanted to be the best out there. And, you know, when we're breaking down film, it's like, okay, who's going to make a play? I'm going to make that play. You know, everybody wanted that responsibility, you know. So, and definitely Kerry Watkins, I feel like he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Yeah. Uh, that's my that's my, that's my older brother, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, so I just want to give him his due. But I've learned a lot from him as well, mm-hmm. you know. And that the great thing about the receiving court, everybody bought something different. So when we're breaking down film, it's like, oh, 
I'm going to take that move from you. So I'm going to take that. <laughs> so it was always that. <laughs> and I don't know how many people remember this. I remember this really well. I can't remember, was it after the 2008 or 2009 Grey Cup, Jamel? Like you had concrete NFL offers. And I remember the Vikings were pretty interested, were they not? There was a rumor that you were going to sign in Minnesota, and you came back here. I did. I did. It was after the 2008 season yeah. uh, when I had I led the league with 16 touchdowns. Uh, you know, they they wanted me, but it, it just wasn't enough for me. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I was looking for stability. You know, had a, trying to start a family, and it just you know I was living out my dream, playing football, playing on a high level. But hey, you know, I was in a great situation. And everything worked worked itself out. Yeah, man. No, it did a hundred percent. And uh, and I remember that time. And and I, I remember that you took the the stability. And and we were glad to have you around for those extra years, man. Why hasn't the Hall of Fame called yet? Oh man, uh, that's a question I need to ask. <laughs> and you know, I'm you know I'm looking at the all decade teams, and I'm looking at you know all these things that's on the CFL website and. You know, I'm not saying my name compared to a bunch of other guys that I played against, but uh, that you were better than. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. if you don't want to say it, I'll say it. Right, <laughs> right. So you know, on that on that aspect, it's just like you know, a little disrespect. But uh, I would rather definitely make the Hall of Fame, and you know, I think I'm like a, a bubble guy. Uh, you know, got strong numbers all in five years. Um, so I don't know, man, maybe God will bless me and, and I get into the hall, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great honor to go in there with, a, you know, with those, with those greats. Yeah. I, it, it's too bad that, you know, you tore up the knee and that injury happened in practice, right? But Jamal, for, there was a five, six year period there where there's no receiver I'd rather have than you. Cause you were big. Uh, you can move. You. It wasn't just about catching passes, man. You guys were. You and SJ were vicious when it came to to blocking as well. Like you guys, you you did it all. And both of you guys, I feel like you know SJ is going to be in the Hall of Fame. I feel you should be right there too. That's just that's uh, that's honestly how I feel. Jamel Richardson joining us okay. on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. Um, so Jamel, I got a couple minutes left. There was something I was curious about. I heard Matthew Prue, uh, who was the safety on that team, he didn't play in the 2010 Grey Cup because he was hurt. He got hurt the week before, yeah. but he he caused a little bit of a storm before the 2010 Grey Cup. Do you remember that? Um, he said that the, he said the facilities that you guys had in Edmonton weren't anywhere close to what the Riders had. How bad were the facilities? Man. Those... <laughs> <laughs> The facilities was horrible. We didn't we we didn't have no hot tubs, ice tubs. We're we're taking ice tub baths and you know trash cans, and then we felt like at that level, it's like that was a slap in the face. Uh, the hotel was ran down. You know why the riders over there staying in a five star hotel eating lobster and shrimp, and and we just was like, wait a minute, we the defending champs, and why are we not getting treated like that? Mm-hmm. You know the you know we complained about it and. We definitely wanted to take it out on the riders too. Like y'all didn't deserve what y'all get, how y'all getting treated over there. Yeah. So y'all about to lose again. <laughs> <laughs> and lose they did twenty one eighteen. And and Jamel, I'm just I'm I'm thinking about you know that that team and how special you know you you guys were as you know as an entire group. Not many. You guys were the first. 
team to go back-to-back since the, the Argos of the late 90s with Doug Flutie, and nobody's done it since. What made that group so special, and why were you guys able to repeat in 09 and 10? You know, um, it was just everybody was focused. Everybody hungry. Everybody wanted that feeling that we got after the, well, pretty much the 2008 year is what set it all up. Yeah. You know, taking that loss in 2008 set up for the next three years, you know. So the next two years, put it like that. And, you know, it was just, we just felt like we can achieve greatness. You know, we always pushed each other in practice. And once once we got into a game, it was easy, you know, because we, we worked extremely hard, you know, the, the week before. So, you know, that team, it was just, we were just stacked at every position from offense, defense, special teams. You got Larry Teller. You got May Prey. At, so you just take your pick. You know, we really didn't have any weakness. Give me your best Mark Tressman story that I've never heard before. I don't know if I'm that guy to tell you a Mark Tressman story. It's been um, it's been ten years, Jamel. <laughs> the statute of limitations. Um, Come on. Um. Mm, I don't know. Me and, me and Coach Tressman, our relationship was different. You know, he he taught me more about life and becoming a better man. You know. Um, he knew I wanted to write a book and, you know, he was just teaching me how to write a book, you know, just write every day, you know, uh, don't matter. Don't need to be in order. Um, so my respect for Mark Tressman is on a whole nother level, you know, mm-hmm. and plus I was, you know, I was a little outspoken, you know, didn't hold, in, hold anything <laughs> back and he kind of helped me. <laughs> I heard, I heard a story and I can't say who said it. And it's about you and Tressman, and I want to know if it's true or not. All right, and I okay. don't mean I don't mean to embarrass you. I'm just I'm just asking no. you. Okay, so I heard that in a meeting you were sitting a little slouched in your chair, and he cussed you out. Did that happen? <laughs> hey, absolutely. <laughs> sit up. I was like, oh, what? Okay, wait. Okay, let me sit up. Okay, so every every time you see me now, it's always sit up. Why are you slumping? <laughs> you know, so that was a, you know, that was his introduction, you know. So I was just like, oh, okay, this guy is serious. Okay, <laughs> let me not get on his bad side. Uh, so, you know, that it started from that, though. Yeah. It's about details. You know, how you look at me and are you paying attention? Like, it was it was the small things that made it great. Where do you keep the, uh, the MVP trophy from 2010? Oh, in my man case. Oh, you got it? You know. Yes. Do you wear the rings Every, a lot? I don't. I actually don't. You know, I just keep them in my, in my case, you know, on my panel, and, uh, you know, let the kids hold them, and, you know, guests <laughs> come by, and, you know, I let them see it, hold it, and, you know, just I just explain, you know, the history behind it, and I just move on. Hey, Jamal, thanks for uh, thanks for getting up for us this morning, man. We appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, hopefully we can share some more uh, some more stories here uh, down the road. Hopefully you can come back on the show and join us again. No problem, man. Thanks for having me, man. I love you guys and miss you. Absolutely. That's Jamal Richardson, the 2010 Grey Cup MVP. That happened 10 years ago today. So the Montreal Alouettes won the Grey Cup on this date in 1970, and they also won the Grey Cup on this date in 2000. And 10. The Montreal Impact declined the options on multiple player contracts yesterday.
The Impact roster is going to look really different in 2021. How different? Impact Assistant Sporting Director Vasily Kremenzidis will tell us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690.